Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses, and I particularly want to welcome every week all the men and women joining us at the Orleans Justice Center and St. Tammany Parish Jail. Come on, can we just welcome all those? So excited to have you guys. Yeah. I want to welcome you to week one of a four-part series called The Advocate, Helper, Comforter, and Friend. I'm going to be teaching for four weeks on the Holy Spirit. And I'm very, very excited about this series. Uh, you know, I looked at my notes and I looked back. It's been a number of years since I've done a three or four week series. I've taught single messages on the Holy Spirit. Just about every year I'll do one. But, but, but a series, there's something about when you bring a, a congregation through truth week after week after week, it just helps to get it deeper in our hearts. I'm going to be asking some questions and hopefully answering some questions that you may have. Again, I've talked to so many people throughout the years, specifically like a day like today. And step one that I'll be teaching at the Little Creek campus, people ask me about afterwards, Pastor, uh, what do you guys believe about the Holy Spirit and, 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 and the workings of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit? And so this series, we're going to be asking some questions, and I trust that we'll be able to answer some of the questions. Matter of fact, one of the statements that Jesus made, one of the most powerful and yet interesting statements that he made was this. John chapter 16, he said this to his disciples. He says, hey guys, matter of fact, he'd been walking with them for a couple years and he turns to them one day and says this. He says, it's actually best for you. Listen to this. It's actually best for you if guys, if I go away. What? I mean, can you imagine? He's been walking with them as the Messiah, as the Savior, as their leader, for nearly three years. And he says, guys, listen, it's actually good for your good that I go away. Because if I go away, I'm going to send another helper to you. Now, I want you to think about that just for a moment. You've got Jesus Christ of Nazareth in the flesh. I mean, he's there in human form, and they're, they're eating together, and, and they're all uh, hanging out together, and they're watching miracles together, and they're talking and fellowshipping, and Jesus says, it's best for you if I go away. In other words, I'm with you physically. I'm walking with you. I'm dwelling with you, but I'm not in you. So it's best that I go away, because if I go away, I'm actually going to send another helper, allos parakletos in the Greek. I'm going to send somebody, watch this, who's not going to just be with you, but somebody who's going to live in you. I want you to think about that for a moment. Think about you every day if you actually had Jesus walking alongside of you. How would you deal with your problems? I mean, you got a headache, Jesus, fix it. I mean, if you just, I mean, I'm just talking about, yeah, I mean, you just had Jesus right there, right? Your dog gets run over the car. Lord, raise up Muffy. Boom, and there it goes. Lord, I need to lose 10 pounds, and choomp, there it is, shredded, just like the pastor. But anyway, so, not really. I need to lose. I need to lose back. Could you imagine if you had Jesus in the flesh walking right alongside of you? I mean, it would just be amazing. And yet, that's what the disciples had. And Jesus said, it's not best that I'm in the flesh right next to you. Now, some of you got, you got to see this in the Bible. It's like, pastor, this doesn't make sense. It's in the Bible. John chapter 16. 
By the way, John chapter 14, 15, and 16, those three chapters in all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the most concentrated verses in the Bible. By the way, there was no chapter and verse when the Bible was written. So it was, a, it was one discourse. It was one discourse that Jesus, in essence, was having. And he was having with his disciples, and some of the crowd were around. But he was teaching them, and it's the longest discourse on who the Holy Spirit is. John chapter 14 teaches on it. John chapter 15 touches. But John chapter 16, here's when he says this. He tells his disciples this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your what? Say it. Some of your Bible says it is to your benefit. It is to your good. It accrues to your benefit. It is to your advantage that I go away. Paul's right there. Can you imagine what was going through their minds? Don't leave. Where are you going? Wait a minute. We left our business. Peter's like, wait, time out. I left my fishing business. Where are you going? Matthew's like, I'm like, I quit the IRS. <laughs> I definitely don't want to go back there. I say that respectfully. We pay taxes. I do personally. And so he said, listen, I don't want to go back doing being tax collector. I don't want to do that. Where are you going, Jesus? What's to your advantage that I go away? For if I do not go away, the what? Say it, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to Holy Spirit. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the helper, the counselor, the comforter. Jesus is making it so clear that if I don't go away, listen, I, I, you, can, you can have Jesus physically in the flesh right next to you, or you can have the Spirit of Jesus living in your heart wherever you go. I'm going to be teaching uh, throughout this month, I know next weekend is Mother's Day, and we're going to do something special for the moms, but and honor the moms. But I'm going to be teaching next week, this week today, who the Holy Spirit is. Next week, what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, and then uh, the third week, I'm going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit, and the supernatural, how, how the Spirit of God comes upon you and equips you with power to, to, to fulfill God's will for your life. I'm going to be teaching this month. You do not want to miss any of them. I know there's lots of graduations. That's why if you're out on a Sunday, there's Saturday night church and vice versa, because I want to bring you verse by verse, Old Testament and New Testament. I want to look at who the Holy Spirit is. It is unfortunate. I want to say this respectfully. It is unfortunate that the power of the Holy Spirit is available, and so many Christians live what I call spiritless lives. We should live spirit-filled lives. We, 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 there, there are so many Christians that, that are dry, that are empty, listen, and yet we should be filled with God. We should be full of the Holy Spirit. And now I want to be honest. There's times in my life where I've come to moments where I felt dry, I felt like my, my, my land was parched, the, the, the land of my heart was parched, and, and as we sang that song, where we needed rain, where I needed rain, the rain of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the analogy of the Spirit in the Bible often is with water, and the rain of the Spirit, that's where that song during the offertory came from. And there's times in my life where I, where I, where I, where I know that, that I'm, I'm just I'm missing, again, I'm saved, I know I'm saved, I know I'm going to heaven, I know my name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and maybe that's where you've been. Maybe that's where you are right now. You're saved. You know that you're going to heaven. You know that your sins have been forgiven. And yet, 
And yet there's a dryness in your walk with God. There's just, you're not, it's like the, gra- the ground of your heart is parched. It's not saturated. It's not saturated. By the way, you know how ground gets saturated, right? Listen, let me, let me, this, is, this is interesting. You know, hard ground, right, when the rain comes, it, it, at first it kind of rolls off of it. Saturated doesn't take a lot because it's saturated for it just to bubble up. You know what I'm talking about? It's just the ground. God wants our lives saturated with his presence, saturated with the Holy Spirit. If you are currently dry in your walk with God, this is a series you don't want to miss. I'm going to be teaching what the Bible teaches about the Holy Spirit. We don't have to live empty lives. We don't have to live dry lives. We don't have to live powerless lives. Matter of fact, I I became a Christian. Many of you have heard this story. October 26, 1987, it was a Bible study with a bunch of college kids, and I gave my heart to Christ about four months after that. Three or four months after that, uh, actually, one of the girls that led me to Christ, her name was Linda, she, 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 she got our Bible study together, and she was one of the leaders in it. She said uh, that, that tonight she wants to talk about the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit is, and how to be filled with the Spirit. I, I'll be honest. I was a Christian. I grew up in church. I was a Christian, and I had very little understanding of who the Holy Spirit was. She started teaching on the Holy Spirit. It was just amazing. She opened it up, and, and, and she went through the Old Testament, then the New Testament, then the book of Acts, and went, whoa, I want to experience God. Now, listen to me. My sins have been forgiven. I knew I was a believer. If I died that day, I knew that I was going to go to heaven. My name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. All right, I knew I was securing my salvation, and yet I didn't realize that there was more. Everybody say more. There was more in my walk with God. There was more power. There was more of the presence of God. There was more of the gifts of the Spirit. God wanted to release in my life. The fact is, is that I believe that some of you are here today. And I say this respectfully. Some of you are here and you're a Christian and, and yet, yet you're not walking in the fullness of what God has for you by way of the Spirit. Let me give you two reasons. Two reasons why I believe that people are living spiritless lives Versus being spirit-filled, spirit-led, full of the Spirit. Let me give you two. Number one, and I wrote this down. I think I put it in your notes. Is some people are just unaware of the Holy Spirit. They're just unaware. I mean, the truth is we've all, let me say this, the overwhelming majority have been in church at some point in time in our lives. And if not, if you were not a regular church attender, maybe you, you've been to a wedding or, or, or something and, and you've sung at some level, I'm sure, the doxology. You know what the doxology is, right? Praise Father. I, there's, I, I, every time I do that, they want me to lead worship. And so <laughs> I'm just teasing. Here it is. Praise Father. So, no, let's do it together. Y'all ready? Come on, let's just do it. At the count of three. One, two, three. Praise Father, Son, and Holy. Isn't that a little weird? I mean, we got the praise the Father part, right? We got the praise the Son. But when we get to the ghost part, it's like, what is that song talking about? I mean, we sing it. We understand King James language, but it's like, praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we say it, and if, we're, if we really pause and think about it, Are we praising a ghost? Who is the ghost? What is the ghost? How did the ghost get the name ghost? (laughs) Isn't Casper the friendly ghost? (laughs) So we've got the father stuff. I mean, come on, father, God, man, we're accountable to God the father and he's the creator. But I want everybody to understand, we only serve one God, but three distinct persons, God the father, God the son, God the Holy Spirit. 
So a lot of people, they, they've got the father thing down, and they understand the son, right, the cross and Jesus. I mean, dying on the cross, we've got that, and the power of the resurrection, that's what Easter's all about, right? But it's this ghost. It's who is the ghost? And how does he work? And, and, and is that part, is that kind of, here, here's, here's a question that people often ask. Is, is the ghost, I mean, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, is that, is that really God or is that just kind of like, is it an entity attached to God? Is it an appendage? You guys want to know what an appendage is, right, in a book? An appendage, it's not central, it's an add-on, and it kind of helps out. Or is, or is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, or is that, is that God? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I want to contend, and the Scripture teaches that, 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 that it's one God. Everybody say one God. Everybody say three persons. So it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. A lot of people, don't, they're not aware. They're not aware. They've sung it. They've said it, but they don't really get it. Do you know that don't feel bad? You're in good company because there is a group of disciples in the very first century church where they, 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 they were disciples, Followers of Christ, not the original group. All right, by the way, there's, there was 12 original apostles, but there was lots of disciples in the book. The disciples, when somebody calls somebody, you can be a disciple, that means you write the Bible. A disciple is a disciplined follower of Christ. Does that make, it's, a, it's a learner, all right? It's somebody that follows Christ. But look, watch this, Acts chapter 19. Watch this. And this is where, and I say this respectfully, I believe still sections of the body of Christ, not a large section, but there's still some groups, it's like they don't, they, whether they don't talk about it, it's not emphasized, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some who, say it. Now, these are not casual Christians. These are not just people that are just kind of every now and then showing up. Are y'all with me? These are not Christmas and Easter onlys. Let me just continue. I mean, these are people that are precedent. Watch the next verse here, verse two. And he said to them, Paul said, to disciples, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Pause for a moment. I'm not a brilliant person, but I understand a little bit bit about, about language structure. If it's not possible that somebody can be a Christian and yet not walk in the fullness of the Spirit, then why would Paul have asked that question? So there is a possibility the Spirit can be within you, but you're not walking in the fullness of the Spirit. You're not aware of what's available to you. So they said, it's what they said. We've not so much as heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. Whoa. Look at the next verse here, verse 3. And go back, verse 3. And he says, so into what were you baptized? So they said, and John, what was John's, I'll tell you what John's baptism was. John's baptism, it was John the Baptist. He, he was baptizing, it was repentance of sin and looking towards Christ. And they were actually water baptized. So here's the question. The question is, since you've become a Christian, are you walking in, are you endeavoring to understand, are you becoming acquainted with who the Holy Spirit is? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. We've got the Father thing down. We've got the Son down. But what about the Spirit? Why, why is it that we don't talk about the Spirit? Why, why is it that we don't understand who the Holy Spirit is? And yet there's this power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, let me just say this. Again, I want to get very technical here, all right? Technically speaking, God the Father, technically, I know it's one God, but technically speaking, the personhood of God the Father is in heaven. Technically speaking, the personhood, the second person in Trinity, God the Son, is what? Where is he right now? Technically speaking, where is he? Seated at the right hand of the Father. We know that. 
Technically speaking, it's God the Holy Spirit that is the one comforting us. It's God the Holy Spirit that is counseling us. It's God the Holy Spirit. Now, you can't separate the three, but by way of distinction. Now, this is important. It's amazing how many Christians, and again, I'll put myself in this category. We, we, we're going through life. We're saved. We're lacking power. We're lacking strength. We're lacking supernatural equipping, and yet the power of God is not, don't miss this, it's not out there for the believer. It's actually in here. It's the Spirit of God. It's God's spirit. The Bible says your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I, um, I have an opportunity. I, I used to call it an opportunity, but traveling, and I, it's not as cool as it used to be, and so I've spent a lot of time in airports. I'll often speak here and then do different stuff during the week and, and then try to always come back on the weekends. Well, um, partic- you know, I, I, I'll bring people with me. I, I don't travel alone, and so I'll usually have one of our pastors that, that are, that are with me or, or a family member. It's interesting anytime you go to, and I'm on the phone too much. I just want to make that confession, all right? I just want to get my sin out, all right? I'm on the phone too much, and so I, and, but I'm talking to you all about your problems. And so anyway, <laughs> just got to qualify there and defend myself a little bit. So, so anyway, so, so I'm on the phone, and I, but I bring with me a cord. I mean, because, you know, when I get somewhere, man, I'm, I'm wanna, I want to, so, you know, you go to the airport, I was with one of our guys, and he sat down. I said, man, i got to go plug in my phone. So I'm walking around the airport. I've got my phone and my cord. If you want to see somebody manifest demons, <laughs> walk up to them and try to plug your cord in where their cord is plugged in. It's like, no, find your own socket. I'm serious. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. They're like, it's like not good stuff. Like, so you're just walking around and just people, you know, they're just, and because and, and, and they don't want to, they, they fear maybe the interpersonal rejection, they'll just kind of like, they're like, they'll turn from you. And it's like, oh, okay. I actually, last summer, asked somebody, can I just take just a moment? And somebody, it's actually a young girl. She goes, no. Because <laughs> she was the only one standing there. Now, you know, so I just like, can I just, no, no, no. And it's like, okay, okay. So I remember last summer, I walked back and one of, one of the guys that I was with, and I said, I just, I just can't find anything. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just wanted to get a little bit of juice, get on for, for the plane. I can't find anything. He goes, Pastor, one right under our chair. <laughs> How many times are we looking out there for all these different, these different ways to get power and all that, and yet God, the Holy Spirit, is right on the inside of us. God, this, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God's power is right here. Are you all with me? Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead lives in me, lives in you, just as God raised Christ. So the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, boom, lives on the inside of you. So number one, there's just a lack of knowledge. There's a lack of understanding about the Holy Spirit. A lot of people just don't, don't they're just not aware. Number two, sometimes it's because we've been resisting the Spirit. So maybe you're not walking in the fullness. Maybe there's times in my life where I'm not walking in the fullness because I've resisted the Holy Spirit. I've resisted his work. He's been talking. By the way, the more you resist the Spirit, the easier it becomes to resist him. And I'm going to explain why at the end. Stephen was was preaching. Stephen was preaching in Jerusalem in the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish ruling council, in essence, in Jerusalem. He was preaching to them, and he gave them a big tongue lashing because they they had resisted 
They were resist. What does it mean to resist the Holy Spirit? God will talk to you. God will ask you to share Christ with somebody. God will ask you to forgive somebody. God will ask you to bless to do something. And you know it's the Holy Spirit. And yet, <clears throat> the more that we resist the Spirit, the more that we, 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 we put up our bars and say, no, that's not. The more that happens, actually, the easier it becomes to resist the next time. And the Bible calls that the hardening of the heart. And I'm not talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about people that are Christians. God will speak to you, and no, I don't want to do that. And God will speak to you, and you and you and you and you and you you just your heart gets hard. This Peter or Stephen called him out for this. Watch what he said in Acts chapter seven. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always what say it resist the Holy Spirit. I don't want to resist the Spirit. How many times has God told you to text somebody and to encourage them and maybe to text them a scripture and give them a scripture, and yet. And yet, maybe you resisted, but maybe you did obey. And they said, that's exactly what I needed. That's because God, listen, you didn't know what they needed, but God knows. Does that make sense? It's like when somebody goes, Pastor, did you know what's going on? How did you know what's going on? I don't know what's going on in your life, but God knows. And so if I say something, God can take anything in the same way. If God prompts you to, 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 to encourage somebody, if God prompts you, listen, I'm telling you, God is looking for vessels. The Holy Spirit is wanting to operate in the earth. How does he do it? Through his people. That's how he does it. I, um, recently, the Holy Spirit, I felt prompted by God to send somebody a, a text. And on that text, it had a unique encouragement with them. And they said, Pastor, how did you know? I didn't know, but God knows. Let's not resist. Let's be responsive. So I want to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Well, let me just give you just a little, just a little chronology, a little history lesson on the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Just stay with me. Then I've got three little things at the end, and this is my first talk today. I'm teaching you guys who is the Holy Spirit. So where does the Holy Spirit first show up? Where does he show up? Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Watch this. This is the first place it's mentioned in the Bible. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the what? Everybody say it. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. So in Genesis chapter 1, we see the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of Almighty God hovering over the face of the earth. Okay. The Hebrew word for spirit, watch this, in the Old Testament is ruach. That's what it is. And it means breath. It means a violent exhaling of wind. And breath, it's the breath of God. That's who it is. It's the spirit of God, the ruach of God. It's the breath of God. It's the wind of God. It's the spirit of God. That's, that's the, the, now watch this. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not live in people. The Holy Spirit came upon people. That's important that you understand that. So for instance, three different groups of people in the, in the Old Testament. Prophets, priests, and kings. Prophets, Ezekiel was a prophet. He prophesied the Spirit of God came upon him. The Spirit of God came upon Jeremiah. The Spirit of God would come upon prophets. The Spirit of God would come upon men and women of God. The Spirit of God would come on prophets, priests. The Spirit of God would come upon a priest, and, 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 and they would function. And, and, and kings, the Spirit of God came upon Saul. The Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God would come upon them, watch this, and give them equipment to do the work to do the assignment that God had. So, so we see the Spirit of God coming upon Joshua, the Spirit of God coming upon Moses, the Spirit of God coming, the whole book of Judges. Do you, 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 remember, you remember Samson? Do you remember Samson? Who, who, and, and at the end, that great, he did that great, that great act at the end. How was that? The Bible says the Spirit of who? Say it, the Spirit of 
God. That's the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit would come upon a prophet, priests, and kings for unique purposes. Now, the Spirit of God did come upon artisans and craftsmen. We see the building of the temple, the building of the tabernacle, particularly in the wilderness, and, and the Spirit of God. But it was always re relegated to, watch this, uh, coming upon for a unique purpose. This is important, important. Then we've got the New Testament. So that's the Old Testament, Ruach. The New Testament, Numa, Numas. All right? That's the Greek word for spirit. Very similar, breath, wind. So Ruach and Numa. All right? Pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit. That's what it is. So Ruach and Numa. So the Spirit of God, watch this, don't miss this. The Spirit of God, we show up. The book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we show up in the Gospels. Now we see, don't miss this, the Spirit of God is coming upon someone. Who did the Spirit of God come upon in the Gospels? What was his name? Jesus. This is not a trick question. What's his name? Name's Jesus. Remember the baptismal waters with John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God. And the Bible says the heavens opened up and like a dove. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. Are y'all with me? The Holy Spirit's not a dove. Holy Spirit, like a dove, like a dove. That's very, 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 very important. The like a dove, the gentleness of the dove, the gentleness. I got to tell y'all something. I, I should not say this in church, but this is hysterical. If you don't get like this, you don't get offended, don't send me an email because I'm not going to read it. <laughs> I was at the, this is just so funny. I got it. Can I just add this, Pastor Randy? Can I, this is so funny. Okay. I was at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Okay, this was in 2008, and we're, we go, and we're praying, and we, of course, we're praying to Jesus, you know, we're praying, and we're up at the Wailing Wall, and so my friend goes, Steve, look, there's, a, there's doves, and they're pigeons. He goes, there's a white dove. There's a dove. I'm telling the Holy Spirit, and so I'm just praying like this, and I'm like, wow, that's pretty amazing. This, my God be my witness, this happened. The next thing you know, the dove kind of just perches a little bit off and starts going to the bathroom on my hand. <laughs> so I walked back. My mom was there. And, and so I walked back. He goes, did you see it? I said, yeah. The Holy Spirit just went to the bathroom on me. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Don't get mad at me. I'm just, that, that's just, that, that, may God be my witness that happened. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> The whole place. I don't. I think the whole afternoon we couldn't even regain control. I mean, it's just. A, so the Holy Spirit is not a dove, because <laughs> He will not go to the bathroom on you. I'm just telling you. <laughs> okay. I got to get out of that point. But anyway, so so watch this. So the Holy Spirit, like a dove, comes upon Jesus. Now watch this. He's crucified, buried, and He's raised from the dead. Don't miss this. Then he's on the Mount of Olives, Acts chapter 1. He ascends to the Father. Acts chapter 2, big difference. Don't miss this. Acts chapter 2, though, on the day of Pentecost, which is, I think, May 20th, 50 days after Passover, Penta, 50. It's coming up here in two weekends. So I'm teaching on the Holy Spirit. It's a season in the church calendar. And, 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 and so the day of Pentecost, watch this. The Spirit of God comes upon the believers, but watch this. Now the Spirit of God not just doesn't just rest upon them, Old Testament, but the Holy Spirit comes within them. It's better that I go away, John 16, because if I don't go away, watch this, I'll not send the Holy Spirit. And if I send the Holy Spirit, watch this, I dwell with you, but he shall be in you. 
John chapter 14. Can you pull that up just for a moment? I want to share with you guys something about the power of the Holy Spirit that is so important. So important. The Holy Spirit, please stay with me, is not an it, but he's a divine person. You can ignore an it, but you can't ignore him person. If you think the Holy Spirit, and by the way, I've had people thought this before, when he's just an abstract force, and back to the appendage, he's not an add-on. It's not like God the Father and Jesus. The Holy Spirit, he's just kind of like, he's an add-on. No, he's God. And if you treat him like an it, things happen. I'm going to show this. Just, this will blow you out the water. I'm telling you. Let me give you personal pronouns here. All right? John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father. That's Jesus. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. That's, 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 he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth. Go on. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows who? Him but you, know, but you have known him, for he, watch this, dwells with you. Remember, Jesus, this is important, is God. The Holy Spirit is God. But the reason why it was important for him to go away is because Jesus was only dwelling with them, but he will be, what, say it, in you. Day of Pentecost. God's not way out there for the believer. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, and he's talking to you. He's speaking to you. I, uh, Friday, I'm, I'm a sports guy, I like sports, and I went to a baseball game. My son's high school, my boys go to school, and it was a playoff game. And I came home, my wife had picked up my daughter from uh, gymnastics, and so I was so excited. Uh, of course, I'm a football fan and stuff, but I, I'm, I'm excited about the Pelicans. I'm excited, I know they play later today. I'm very excited about that. So the game was starting at seven o'clock. Listen to me, the Holy Spirit is a divine person. You can ignore an it, but not a person. So I got, I got home uh, at 6, like 59, and I went and I turned the, the, um, the, the, the remote, and I put it, I think it was on ESPN. I was so excited, man. I was ready to watch AD. I mean, just come on, man. This thing's going to be awesome. And so my wife pulls up, and my little daughter, who's eight, she runs in, and she goes, and I mean, I'm just getting ready to sit out. I mean, I've got, I'm just, I'm just, I am locked in. I'm like, this is so exciting. And she barges, she goes, she goes, Dad, I'm so excited. I couldn't wait to get home. Let's go swing. <laughs> oh. I saw my wife. I was accountable. I was like, okay. I wanted to do that, honey. See, if, if she's an it, you can ignore an it. Do y'all remember a couple years ago? I know y'all you won't admit this in church. How many of y'all remember 30 years ago watching Steve Martin's The Lonely Guy? Anybody saw that movie, The Lonely Guy? Do you remember he was lonely, he didn't have friends, he'd have mannequins and friends, he'd have parties, and he'd have like plants around the room? Did you remember that? You, you can ignore a fern, but you can't ignore an eight-year-old little girl. You can ignore, if the Holy Spirit's just a force, you can ignore a force, but if he's a divine person, you better not ignore him. Let me give you three qualities of the Holy Spirit and we'll finish. Y'all learn anything today? Okay, now, yeah, I'm excited about this. 
I know I lost some of y'all with the Wailing Wall comment. Just lock back in. <laughs> Here we go. Three qualities. If you, if you talk to psychologists, they'll talk about personhood. The three qualities of personhood is intellect, volitional capacity, intellect, will, and emotion. Those are what's called qualities of personhood. That's what they are. An intellect, a will, and emotions. Question, if the Holy Spirit is a divine person, does he have intellectual capacities, volitional capacities, and emotional capacities? My answer is yes. Let me show you quickly from the scripture and we'll be close. Number one, intelligence. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 to 11. I want to suggest to you the Holy Spirit operates with divine intelligence, but God has revealed them to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Because see, a lot of people will think, well, it's God the Father, and he just kind of sends his power, that, the, that almost like the Holy Spirit's an ent- It's like it's just a power source. No, it's a divine per- He is a person. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God, the Father, except who? Say it, the... All right, let me show you how this works. How many of you guys would be honest enough to say in church, you've read something in the Bible before, and a particular day you read something that you've read before, and all of a sudden one day it just explodes and jumps off the page. Has that ever happened to anybody? Let me tell you why that happened. Let me tell you why that happened. Because that day God, the Holy Spirit, knows He knows what you're going through, and he chose to illuminate it to speak to where you were that day. Does that make sense? Because you could have read that scripture over and over. You did. It's happened to me all the time. I've read it. I've read it. And like, whoa, what the, that day, he, because he knows where I am. He knows where, where you are in your life. He knows what's going on in our lives. He operates with divine intelligence, right? He's not a power force. It's a divine person, right? You can ignore a, a, a fern, but you can't ignore an eight-year-old little girl. If the Holy Spirit just a power, if he's a ghost, you know, you can, but if it's a divine person, number one, intelligence. Number two, volitional capacity. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. But one in the same spirit uh, works all these things, distributing to each one. Talking about the gifts of the spirit. Week three, I'm going to talk about the gifts of the spirit. The power tools of God are the gifts of the spirit. Watch this. And each one individually as he, what? Say it, wills. The gifts of the spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that decides to use whom he wants, when he wants, how he wants. Remember, three qualities of personhood. All psychologists will tell you. Intelligence, volitional capacity, and emotions. Does the Holy Spirit operate with intelligence capacity? Yes. Does he make decisions? Yes. Let me give you the third and final thing. Emotions. And we'll close with this and we'll pick up here next week. We see the emotions. Boy, this is heaven. This is, the, this is, I think, the most important point. Please don't miss this. Emotions. Ephesians chapter four, verse 30. Look what Paul says to the church at Ephesus. And do not, what's this word here? Grieve. Okay, now watch this. The word grieve means sadden, quench, vex, or push away. That's what it means. Do not sadden, Do not quench the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. Now watch this. If the Holy Spirit is an it and not a divine person, you can't can't grieve a fern. You don't grieve a rock. 
You don't grieve a nuclear plant or an electrical plant if it's just power. But you can grieve an eight-year-old little girl who had an expectation. And you can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can sadden the Spirit. Pastor, this doesn't make sense. You mean I can actually make the Holy Spirit sad? Do you remember when Jesus came to Jerusalem and he saw that all the Jewish people had rejected him? What did he say? What did he say? The Bible says that he, when he saw, he, what did he do? He wept over the city of Jerusalem. Did Jesus get sad? Yes or no? The answer is, remember when John, Mary and Martha, three of his best friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He saw Mary and Martha that were crying over the death of their brother. The Bible says, shortest verse in the Bible, shortest verse in the Bible, and Jesus if Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, wept when he was on the earth, can we grieve the third person of the Trinity when we don't obey him and we say harsh things and we don't respond to him? Can, if Jesus wept, can the Holy Spirit be sad? Yeah, he can. Wow. Pastor, that is freaky. No, that's the Bible. It's in the Bible. That means... As I walk with God, so pastor, what's the point? I need to begin to recognize and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I need to be sensitive. The Spirit of God, divine person, he wants to speak to you. He lives within you. He manifests himself through you. I'll give you this last verse and I'll close. Here's the whole trinity right here in this verse. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, second person of the trinity, and the love of God. Some of your Bibles even say God the Father, first person of the trinity and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Third person of Trinity, be with you all forever. The word communion there is an interesting word. Watch this. It means intimacy. It means fellowship. And it means partnership. Yeah. I want to partner daily with the Holy Spirit. How about you? I want to have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. How about you? I want to learn to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. I want to learn to be sensitive that when I'm with people and I have to be sensitive to what the Spirit of God is saying, what the Spirit of God is doing, what the Spirit of God wants. You guys receive that word today? Come on, y'all receive that? Let's stand up.